Hello. <laughs> I'm Nate. If you don't know me, I'm one of the pastors here at Harvest. And uh, if you got your Bibles, go ahead and open them to Ephesians chapter 1. Thanks. Yeah. Ephesians chapter 1. I do not know what page number that is. So if you need to turn to the front of your Bible and look at the table of contents, that is totally cool. Ephesians chapter 1. And we're just going to read through this first chapter. Okay, so start in verse 1. It says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Jesus Christ, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless before Him. In love He predestined us for adoption to Himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of His will, to the praise of His glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved in him we have redemption through his blood the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose which he set forth in christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him things in heaven and things on earth. Verse 11, In Him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of Him who works all things according to the counsel of His will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of His glory. In Him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in Him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance, until we acquire possession of it to the praise of His glory. Verse 15 through 23 are verses for tonight. For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of Him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, so that you may know what is the hope to which He has called you, so that you may know what are the riches of His glorious inheritance in the saints, and so that you may know what is the immeasurable greatness of His power towards us who believe according to the working of His great might, that He worked in Christ when He raised Him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and he gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Lord, I ask that tonight you would give us eyes to see you. 
open our eyes and allow us to see wondrous things in your word, Lord. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, last week, Pastor Cody preached, He has blessed us to the praise of His glory. Verses 3 through 14 in this chapter. I've got some Pastor Cody greatest hits from the last two weeks. Highlights. One, he said, biblical vision for what life is all about. What is it? Seeing, pursuing, enjoying, and proclaiming the glory of God. That's what life is all about. He talked about Ephesians and the structure of Ephesians as a book. Right, The first three chapters are salvation accomplished. They describe uh, your position in Christ if you are a follower of Jesus Christ. It's, it's a gospel indicative. The last three chapters are salvation applied. They're your practice, how you live your life out in Christ. Gospel imperative. He then explained the phrase in Christ. He says it's Paul's favorite way to refer to Christians. The foundational identity of the Christian is the fact that we are in Christ, united with him and made one with him. And then in verses 3 through 14, he said the thesis is verse 3. God has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing. We're blessed by the Father in verses 3 through 7, right? I'm chosen. I'm holy. I'm righteous. I've been imputed to me the righteousness of Jesus Christ. We are children of God. We are adopted, and God receives all the praise. In verses 7 through 12, he showed you guys that you were blessed by God the Son. We've been redeemed. Our freedom has been purchased, forgiven through his blood, been given an inheritance. We are no longer slaves to sin. We no longer have to obey sin. Christ is our master. In verses 13 through 14, we've been blessed by God the Spirit, sealed, marked by God, belonging to Him. He says, you are mine. And He gives the Spirit as the guarantee. And all of it to the praise of His glory. Yeah. Pastor Cody's a pretty good preacher, isn't he? Tonight, we're going to look at verses 15 through 23. Um, Verses 3 through 14, if you remember, they were one big sentence in the Greek, he said, right? Verses 15 through 23 are also one big run-on sentence, okay? So we're going to go through this whole sentence, this paragraph. What's it about? In this paragraph, Paul praises the Lord for the Ephesian believers and then prays for them. So basically, in light of everything that we've seen now in verses 3 through 14 that's been stated about our blessings in Jesus Christ and the blessings of our salvation, Paul then basically stops and goes, whoa, that was heavy. (laughs) There was a lot there. I think we just need to pray, man. (laughs) And so now he prays. He prays for the Ephesians. And we want to take a few minutes and look closely at what he prays and why. So verse 15, ready? Here we go. It says, for this reason... The reason of those last 11, 12 verses, the reason that he's about to state, for this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints. 
This is cool. He says, I have heard about your faith and your love for others. This is, this is the Christian life summarized. He's talking to Christians here. He's talking to the Ephesian church. And the reason that he knows that they are in Christ is because he's heard of these two things, their faith and their love. He's like, I've heard about your trust in the Lord and your dependence upon him. And I've heard how that overflows in love for others. Students, I want to commend you tonight. I have heard about your faith and love. I've heard how you guys are increasing in your love for each other. I've heard about how many of you are reaching out to others and witnessing in your schools and in your homes. I've heard about your growing love to, to worship and your love for the Word of God. Uh, Amy and I get the joy of going on a trip to Guatemala later this year, and there's 13 of you that are on that trip, and we get the joy of seeing how God is at work in your lives and hearing about how what He is doing through you. We get to read your prayers that you write in the registers every week. And Amy and I get to go through those and pray for you guys. And it's a joy because in those, we get to see what God is doing in your lives. Students, I've heard about your faith and love. And he says here, your faith and love is how I know that you are in Christ. See, it's not the theology that we profess that matters most. It's the theology that we practice that matters the most. It's the theology that we live out that matters more than anything. See, if someone came up to you and you're like, hey, uh, I heard you believe in God. You believe in Jesus, right? And you're like, oh, yeah, yeah, I do. I believe this, and I believe this, and I believe this, and I believe this. And they're like, uh, how come you live like that then? Right? That's not theology lived out. And he's saying, listen, that's not the case with you Ephesian believers. He's like, I have heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love towards all the saints. And what's he do next? He gives God all the glory. Look there, verse 16. He says, um, I've heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love towards all the saints. Verse 16, so I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. So he's like, listen, I've heard about your faith and love. So the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to start with praise and I'm going to thank the Lord for that and then, and then I'm going to pray for you. That's a good order, right? Start with praise, go to prayer. He's like, I've heard about what God has done and is doing in and through you and I'm praising him, but I'm also going to pray for you because I want more for you. And so I'm going to say that to you, I've heard about your faith and your love for Jesus Christ and I praise the Lord but I also want to pray this for you and for me and for us. And what's he say? He goes, I do not cease to give thanks for you. I pray without ceasing. What in the world does it mean to pray without ceasing? Um, this is a New Testament concept that you hear a lot as you read through the New Testament. Pray without ceasing, pray without ceasing. Paul says it a ton, okay? It's not, it's not just sitting in a corner for your whole life and praying and not doing anything else, right? It's not walking around or driving your car with your eyes closed because you have to pray. 
It's not, it's not that, okay? It's just praise and prayer all the time. All the time. Intentionally taking times throughout the day to pray and organically being in a spirit of prayer throughout your whole life. When you see something amazing that God has done, you stop and go, praise, without the jazz hands, but... And you just stop and you're like, wait, I just got to praise the Lord for that. When you, when you see someone that's in need or you have a need or you hurt for someone or you desire something for them, you stop and you pray. And you cry out to God on their behalf. This is not getting down on your knees in the middle of your hallway at school and praying while people trip over you. This is... This is not when you feel like praying, gathering everyone around and say, we must pray now to our Holy Father and making it super overly spiritual. This is taking every chance you can to praise and pray all the time, everywhere, no matter what. Um, Now is the time in your life to begin this practice. To begin this discipline, this habit of relationship with the Lord. Praising and praying every chance you get. In your class, praying to yourself. Those quiet prayers that you need to cry out to God for. In the goal when you're on the soccer field and everybody else is at the other end, just stop before they get back to your end at the dinner table with your family, in detention. You still have detention? Yeah, I spent a lot of time in detention. (laughs) As you're comforting a crying friend, a hurting family member, always looking for every opportunity to praise and to pray. But Paul here, he actually prays something very specific for the Ephesian believers. Look at this. He says, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. Verse 17. This is what I pray, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of Him. We're going to pick this apart. That's a lot going on. Remember, this is all one big sentence. He's like, I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. He's like, basically, I want you to understand this. I want you, by the power of the Spirit, to see this. Like, they're already Christians, right? Verse 3 through 14 talks about all the blessings of their salvation. He says, I've seen your faith in the love. So they're, they're Christians, but he's crying out for a work of the Lord in them that needs to continue to happen in order to help them understand. In order to, in order to make their spirit soft and receptive, to give them a, a soft and receptive spirit to the Lord to do what? Look at it, look at it, to know him. He's like, I'm praying that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation to do what? In the knowledge of him. He's like, listen, 
I hope, I pray that the Spirit will continue to soften you to see God and to know Him. The deepest, the greatest need you have, students, is to know God. Nothing else matters like this. You need to know Him. The most important thing in your life is to know God. When I was in sixth grade, I, uh, I thought that my greatest need in life was to have a girlfriend. It, yeah, that was my greatest need at the time. And so I set my eyes on a girl named Shannon. My wife's never heard this story. <laughs> I set my eyes on Shannon. Shannon was the smartest, prettiest, most popular girl in the sixth grade. I was not the smartest, prettiest, <laughs> popular guy in the sixth grade. But man, I wanted Shannon to be my girlfriend. And so I started talking to her a lot. I started throwing things out there. I was getting rejected every other day. Finally, one day, I talked to one of her friends and I'm like, I want Shannon to be my girlfriend. So she goes, let me talk to her. It was towards the end of the day. She went on my behalf as an ambassador to Shannon. And I came back like 15 minutes before the end of our school day and she let me know Shannon would be my girlfriend. I'm like, oh yeah. All that flexing when I walked by her. That all worked. So I went home happy. I was happy. Like mom and dad are like, what are you so happy about? No, you know, just yes. I'm dating the most popular, prettiest girl in the sixth grade. Came back the next day, hung out with my friends at school, went through school, was just super pumped. Towards the end of the day, one of her friends came to me and she goes, yeah, Shannon's decided to break up with you. (laughs) I'm like, wait, why? She goes, wait, you haven't talked to her. So in 24 hours, I had managed to get a girlfriend without talking to her to be dumped by a girl without actually having talked to her and have dated her without actually having talked to her. Like I thought like that was the most important thing in my life at that point in time, but it wasn't. It wasn't. Even in the sixth grade, the most important thing in my life was to know God. Your deepest, your greatest need in this life not a new car, a boyfriend, a better home life, scholarship, money, six-pack abs. Only I get those. (laughs) Your deepest need in this life is to know God. The Christian life is all about knowing Him and making him known to others, faith and love. And his prayer here is that by God's Spirit, that they would know God deeply and intimately and rightly. And that is our prayer for each other and for ourselves. Do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of wisdom, may give you 
the spirit of wisdom and of revelation and the knowledge of Him, verse 18, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened. What's that all about? Your heart. Your heart is, is the center of your mind. It's your emotion. It's the center of you. It's who you are. And what? Your heart has eyes. Like, what's that even mean? It's spiritual eyes, he's saying. To see all that God is and all that God has done for you. Eyes to see and to understand our salvation found in Jesus Christ and all of the spiritual blessings that are found in that. He's like, to see verses 3 through 14 and everything included there. This is a head knowledge of God that he wants them to have eyes to see. He wants them to get it. Knowledge here is the idea of complete knowledge. A knowledge that seeps into your bones. And when he says the eyes of your heart, he's talking about an intimate knowledge of and relationship with and friendship with God. He wants them to understand that and to comprehend it and to feel it and to know God and the depths of their salvation and their union with Him. There's three things specifically that we're going to see here that He wants them to grasp and get and to know about God. The first one is the hope. The hope. It's like, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you, I pray that He gives you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of Him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened so that you may know what is the hope to which He has called you, so that you may know the hope to which He has called you. He's like, I want you to see and grasp the hope that God has called you to, the plan that He has for you in the future, waiting for you. Hope is a confident expectation of what is to come, rooted in God's promises and faithfulness. There's so much hope in what God is planning for you. He's like, I want you to know that and get it and feel it and have joy in the hope of God's plan and live differently because of His promised plan. It will change everything about your life now. We have hope in Jesus Christ. He's called us to himself and we have a hope in a future. And that changes the way we live now. <laughs> One day, Jesus is going to return. And he's going to gather us to himself. <laughs> and he's going to make all things new. And we're going to have new bodies. And he will reign and we will reign with him. And there'll be no more pain and no more sorrow, and no more death, and no more decay, and we'll be perfectly and rightly in relationship with Him, and we'll know Him completely, and worship Him, and be eternally and joyfully in relationship with Him. He's like, I want you to get this. I want you to understand this. And students, I want you to get this. It changes everything. Spirit, open our eyes to see this. See the wonderful promise and the hope of our future. So he says, I want you to know the hope. The second thing he says, I want you to know the inheritance. The inheritance. Having the eyes of your hearts enlightened. Why? 
so that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, and so that you may know what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. God's inheritance. His inheritance in the saints. It is mind-boggling that we are precious to God. That we, little people, in a great big universe, in the midst of billions of people, and as a church, and as individuals, we are treasured by God. And he's saying, Ephesians, you guys need to realize that you are an inheritance that God will receive when one day you're with him. His people are his rich and glorious inheritance. He has purchased us with his blood. And he blesses us. And he loves us and provides for us and cares for us. He has pursued us, Pastor Cody talked about last week. And it's all for his glory. It's mind-blowing that we are special to God. And that he longs to enjoy us forever in eternity. And he allows us the joy of enjoying him for eternity. The value God places on us is incredible. And these verses in 3 through 14 say that he has chosen us and adopted us and loves us and redeems us. All to the praise of his glory. So he wants us to know and comprehend and grasp and see the hope. He wants us to know the inheritance. And thirdly and lastly, he wants us to know the power. He wants us to know the power. Look at verse 18 and 19 again. Having the eyes of your hearts enlightened. Why? Open our eyes to what? So that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. So that you may know what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. And so that you may know what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his great might. He wants us to know the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us. The amazing power of God that's available to us now. Now. And look, he, he takes like the next three verses to describe the power Verse 19, what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe according to the working of his great might? Verse 20, the great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead, like dead raising power, and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places, exalting power, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, above every power, power in this world, power in the angelic and demonic worlds over all power, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, 
but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet, and he gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. He's like, listen, guys, I want you to see this. You're in Christ. I've heard about your faith and love. And I commend you and I praise God for you and for your faithfulness and for your love for others. But I'm praying for you something that your eyes would be opened and that you would see and understand by the power of the Spirit, the power of God that's available to you. (laughs) By God's power, we have power to live this life. By His power, we have the power to get up in the morning and do what He's called us to do. We have the power to understand Jesus and to know Him. We have the power to witness to others who don't know Jesus, to worship Him rightly, to believe His promises. We have the power of God available to us to fight the devil and to have victory over sin, victory over worry and doubt and anxiety and fear. What do you fear? What do you fear? Um, I don't fear a whole lot. But I do have some things that I don't like very much. Tsunamis. I don't like tsunamis. They're big, they're powerful, and you can't run from them. Not cool. I don't like spiders. They're big. (laughs) You can't run from them. I don't know how the Lord made spiders and then said, this is good. I just don't. They're nasty. I chased one the other day and I was trying to stomp on, it was big wolf spiders. They like, this one was so big, it was like hopping in the air. And I chased it and I stomped on it so hard, I messed my knee up. Don't like spiders. Clowns. They are evil. Evil inventions. And evil, I'm sorry if some of you, someone in here is a clown. Evil. Okay. And then I don't like, so I don't like, we're talking about scary stuff. Yeah, he's talking about scary stuff. Scary movies. I do not like mirrors in kind of dark rooms. I'm always afraid I'm going to look in the mirror and see a clown. <laughs> so I always like, I, I don't look at it. Listen, listen. Whether simple and even silly, whether spiritual, complex, relational, whatever it is, If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you've been united with Him, and you have the Spirit of the living God dwelling in you. There's no need to fear. Turn over real quick. Romans, go left just a few pages. Romans chapter 8. I want you to see this in a few verses. Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, look down at verse 9. Verse 9, it says, 
You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If in fact the Spirit of God dwells in you, that's just mind-blowing. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to Him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. If the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. You have the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus Christ from the dead living and dwelling in your spirit. That is unbelievable. And you have His power to do battle with those fears. By His power, you no longer have to fear. By His power, you can do battle against the sin in your life. In your life. You have His mighty salvation power available to, to you. 2 Timothy 1.7 1, 1, says, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power. And Paul is saying here, Ephesians. I want you to get this. Oh. Oh, Ephesians, I want you to see this. And to understand this. And to, to comprehend it. And I, I am praying that the Father, by the power of His Spirit, will help you understand the hope which you've been called. The glorious riches of His inheritance in the saints. And the immeasurable greatness of His power towards you who believe. For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love towards all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you remembering you in my prayers so that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation and the knowledge of Him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened. Why? So that you may know what is the hope to which He has called you, so that you may know what are the riches of His glorious inheritance in the saints, so that you may know what is the immeasurable greatness of His power towards all us who believe according to the working of His great might. Awesome. Awesome. Father, thank you for these students. Lord, I am always so thrilled and encouraged when I get to spend time with them. And I'm blown away by so many of their, their love for you, their faith, and their love for others. And I'm so grateful for how you have already worked in their midst. And, uh, and Lord, though, I... I I want to just pray for them. 
real quick. Uh, Lord, I would ask that you would give them eyes to see. Uh, Lord, I wish, I wish when I was their age, I had had someone open up the Word of God and explain to me the hope that you've called us to and your love for us and the inheritance that you have in us and the power that is available to us in our union with you and all to the praise of your glory. So Lord, I ask tonight that you would move in them this evening. Would, would your spirit tonight please work in hearts. Would you help those that are here who know you as Lord and Savior to get it, to understand it in a, in a new way, in a, in a fuller way, in a more intimate way, what it means to be your child, to be adopted and redeemed and chosen and predestined and, and destined for a glorious inheritance someday in perfect union with you in the new heavens and the new earth. Lord, would you help them tonight to have eyes to see that? Lord, if there is, uh, and I'm sure there is some here tonight who do not know you as Lord and Savior, would you open their eyes tonight by the power of your Holy Spirit to see salvation found only in you. Would you soften hard hearts? Would you draw to yourself? Would you call them and adopt them and set them apart for your glory tonight? Lord, give eyes to see you are awesome. Oh, you are awesome beyond all imagination. And, and we just in this life, Lord, hope that by your spirit working in us that we can know you more and more and more every single day until you return and we meet you and go into eternity with you and walk with you forever. Lord, do a mighty work for your glory in our midst. Lord, give us eyes to see to the praise of your glory. In Jesus' name.